everybody. Mike Houts, co-host of the Crew Reviews. Thank you for watching the number one thriller suspense novel podcast on the planet. We do all all to you, our viewers. On today's episode, we bring you the New York Times bestselling author writing duo of Brandon Webb and John David Mann. Brandon is a retired decorated Navy SEAL sniper whose exploits have been well documented in numerous nonfiction titles, including The Killing School, Among Heroes, and The Red Circle. John David Mann is a celebrated writer who co-authored many of the nonfiction titles of Brandon, and the two now deliver a unique thriller series, equal parts crime, procedural, and action. The second title, Cold Fear, out this past June, is today's focus. Let's get to it. John, let's welcome to the show Brandon Webb and John David Mann. How are you guys? How's things? Welcome, excellent. Mm -hmm. good, good. good to have you both. I know we've been trying to get this out and out to the fan base for a little while yet, but now we've got it all together, and so uh, I'm really looking forward to today. So, um, like I said, welcome to the Crew Reviews. Uh, you are a collaborative writing uh, duo, and uh, your latest is Cold Fear. Hit the bookshelves in June. And so, yeah, can you two do a collaborative, spoiler-free look and summary on this latest novel of yours? Go for it, John. Uh-oh, he's up first. Well, it's no spoiler to say that it is in Iceland. Uh, the first book, which came out last year, Steel Fear, took place on an aircraft carrier. And part of the fun of that was the locker room mystery deal in, in this foreign environment of the aircraft carrier. So right. we were like, where do you go next? Well, where we went was Reykjavik, Iceland. Mm. Uh, another strange foreign environment. Right. Um, and there's two plot lines that converge. Uh, there's in the opening, there's a young girl who runs through the streets of Reykjavik barefoot in the middle of winter, slips under the ice in the duck pond and drowns herself. Wow. Nobody knows why. It's completely freakish mystery. And it just so happens that our hero, Chief Finn, who is a disgraced uh, Navy SEAL chief who is now a fugitive from the law. Mm hmm lands that very night in Reykjavik and crosses paths with this strange mystery and somehow gets tangled up in it. He's there to chase down some leads on whatever happened in this war crime rogue mission went bad that he's being blamed for. So it's kind of a tangle of lots of different mysteries and whodunits that all get tangled up together. Yeah. So that's all I'll say. It, yeah. How did it happen? I don't know because we'll have to find out. Um, well, in the story, there's a SEAL team that's kind of a, a rogue element. And and for us, you know, regular folk, that seems pretty far fetched, right? In the in, in the real world, but this is precisely what your protagonist, Finn, finds himself up against. Um, over the years, individual SEALs have made headlines with sometimes not so legal activities, let's just say. Um, and I kind of want to direct this to you, Brandon. Would the SEAL community take care of a rogue element in their own private manner if this would come to pass? Or would this kind of end up in a Navy JAG kind of situation? I think it depends. Um, you know, 
John and I have no shortage of real material to draw on. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, it's just, I think, you know, without going too far down the proverbial rabbit hole, um, you know, that you look at any long period of conflict, um, Vietnam, for instance, where, you know, you look at the amount of movies and stories coming out of Vietnam, uh, you know, after that war ended with, um, you know, people smuggling drugs and, and dead corpses out of the country, just crazy stuff. I think you inevitably end up in war with just crazy stuff happening, which, mm. which has happened in Afghanistan. And so um, would some rogue element try and clean up their dirty laundry? Potentially, yeah, I think it's super believable. Um, but also very likely, you know, depending on the situation that it, that it could be a, a JAG issue, which, you know, spoiler, spoiler alert, uh, we have some, some JAG activity in, in, uh, book three. Mm. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I think one of the things I, I think that make John and I such a good team is we bring a lot of different perspectives to the table, um, and, and a massive network, uh, to, to kind of draw on and even, you know, the, uh, along the, one of the main plot lines in cold fear, you know, we have, we're able to kind of read the geopolitical tea leaves. I, I, uh, run a site, a foreign policy and military news site called softrep.com. And so we, you know, we we're tracking the whole Ukraine, Russia situation long before Putin invaded Ukraine. Right. Uh, you'll see a lot of things come you know, you're, it's like reading, reading the news when you're reading cold fear. Nice. All right. Well, um, our, our colleague, Chris Albanese, who's a former secret service agent is not here, but we, we were discussing this book, um, when, you know, when we first were attempting to, <laughs> to interview you guys and our schedules got all messed up, but Chris had a really funny comment. We were talking about, this is a work of fiction, but you, you are writing about a rogue seal team. And he was saying, well, if I, if I wrote about murderous secret service agents, he'd get a lot of shit from his former colleagues, including his <laughs> wife, who's an, who's an active duty secret service agent. And Brandon, you were on a SEAL team. So just curiosity, do your former teammates ever give you crap for, for quote, making your fictional <laughs> bad? And if, oh, if you, just point, you just point to John, John Javid and say, well, it was really his idea. <laughs> well, I mean, look, um, Jesus, I, me, I, I've had numerous conversations early on with, with Chris Kyle, even before he was mm. tragically uh, killed in Texas, Kyle and Latrell and I used to talk about it. We took so much shit from our community for being among the first guys since really Mar Dick Marcinko who wrote Rogue War. Right, right. I've taken with the other guys a lot of heat for being, you know, anytime you're first to do something, um, you're, you're going to take a lot of, a lot of heat. You're first through the door is the first guy that takes, takes, uh, shots, you know? So, yeah. um, yeah, it's, it's been rough, I, I would say, but I just kind of develop a thick skin and, and my whole ethos along the entire process. When I first started with the, my memoir, the red circle was okay. Am I, am I representing the community in a positive way? Um, and you know, bringing, am I being professional? Okay, as long as those two things are are covered, I, I don't have any problem with it. Because, um, and now you look at it like one of my biggest critics has a 
huge podcast, one of the probably the biggest SEAL podcasts out there. And he was a critic when he was active duty. And now he's kind of gets it. You know, it's like when you're you have perspective when you're on the outside and go, okay, the military's over. What do I do with my career now? Everybody has to make a living. And, and right. for me, I, I grew up on a sailboat. I read books. I had no television, very little access to television as a kid. I played Dungeons and Dragons. I like storytelling. I like creating things. And, and uh, you know, I, I, I love what I do. I love working with John. Um, him and I both have our own side projects, but, but I feel like we really have something special with this collaboration and, and I'm, and I'm, you know, John is an incredible writer and I'm, you know, I'm, uh, I feel like sometimes I'm, you know, John's like, Hey, let's, let's huck off this black diamond cliff. I'm like, Hey, I'm still on the green slopes. <laughs> uh, you know, he forces me to raise the bar and, and, and I really enjoy that. Yeah. I don't think there's any yeah. shortage of Navy SEALs, uh, writing books or, or, becoming in the public eye anymore so yeah not now not yeah. now but but back early on when we, when we started yeah. out yeah. yeah 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 you know i just want to add that that in in i mean i have never served in the military myself but i spent over a decade with brandon working on eight projects now and in the course of which i've interviewed dozens and dozens of his friends former teammates their family and sort of the whole community and so i also feel sort of this this third party sense of responsibility to get this stuff right yeah um in cold fear aside from the rogue mission that you mentioned that's in the sort of backstory of the whole finn saga in cold fear there are three former teammates that finn is tracking down who are questionable who are elements of this this rogue rogue uh right squad and and also there's a former navy seal who's now a contract killer who's in iceland to track finn down and kill him before he tells any secrets so there's this whole range of dirty seals <laughs> right with, with finn himself is kind of on a on a spectrum of gray he's not even quite sure whether he's guilty of some of this, this shit or not hmm. yeah Nicky is but he can't remember because he got holes in his memory so we're dealing with these shades of gray and and you know when we were writing it there was a lot of there was a lot in the press about shades of gray in the police force. Right. That was a very, very big topic at the time. And I think, I think we, I think we acquitted ourselves well. Well, I think that, that at its core, at his core, Finn is an honorable person yeah. in the same way, you right. know, at its core, the, the whole military force we're talking about is, is an honorable force, but we just want to go in with our eyes open and say, yeah, I mean, this is the human condition, yeah, as yeah, Brandon exactly. says, after over a decade of stress of constant warfare. So right. it's all like it is and, and don't pull punches. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and the one thing that from an outside perspective that I, I see with your collaboration is that in any endeavor, if, if you are something, if you're a police officer, if you're a military person, if you're a doctor, there are certain things you do or you assume you assume people sort of know about just because you're so accustomed to them. And I think having the outsider or the other viewpoint, you know, asking those questions and with the intellectual curiosity is like, well, what would you do in this situation? Oh yeah. I didn't even think about that because I just do it. Right. And I think that that comes out in the writing where, you know, I, I don't, we don't all analyze every single thing we do naturally. And so as a former seal, I'm sure there are things that you just take for granted that you, that the character would do. So having, you know, having John David's perspective to say, Wait a second. Why, why would you do that? Right. You can you can tell that. I mean, I feel like that's going on behind the scenes because 
there's that right amount of explanation. You, you don't spoon feed us, but, but you also don't leave a lot of question into, you know, in the little corners of the, of the scenes. So. All right. Um, I would say, yeah, it's, we've read a lot of fictional novels using Iceland as a setting for stories uh, as you've done in cold fear. And so from your perspective, and we've heard this from some other authors too, is, What's it about this remote country that has such a cultural history that lends such a strong sense of place for action and adventure? It just seems like it's just a natural playground for this type of activity, this kind of storyline. Have, have you guys visited or, you know, you know how did yeah. you draw yourself, the storyline into that? I took a trip to Iceland and it really had an impact on me because I, I travel quite a bit. Yeah. And- you know, it just, it's, it's very rare these days to go a place where you really feel like you're in a foreign country and Iceland, Moscow, Ukraine, I've been to those, those those feel very foreign. You know, there's, there's not a whole lot of welcome signs in English. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And, you know, Iceland's a trip. Uh, The first time I went there, I went there with a buddy for, for New Year's and there's only a few hours of daylight a day. And and they, they celebrate New Year's in a very strange way with these crazy fireworks and, um, I just was, John and I were trying to think of, okay, you know, we really liked exploring in, in Steel Fear that, that single location and really kind of painting a picture of the aircraft carrier life, which, which I think, you know, John did an incredible job with, um, because again, it's, it's, it seems natural to me, but to describe that environment, you really, it's challenging to, to describe it to a layperson. And, and we're like, okay, we really want to what looking at the recipe that worked for steel fear okay what's the single environment that we can really dig into and explore and make make someone feel like they've been to iceland and had an education i mean i'm a huge james missioner fan and one of the yeah. things i love about reading missioner is i feel like i'm getting a what what history class should have been right, right exactly <laughs> right and um you know john i think it was john he's like wow we should do iceland and yeah, yeah. so yeah and i think it worked out well Mm. You know, it's, it's like there's this obvious physical stuff. I mean, the physical traits of Iceland are, are, are kind of wild and bizarre. Mm. The three hours of daylight, as Brandon's saying, they call it the land of fire and ice, all these volcanoes and, and icebergs and, and earthquakes. That's all there. But there's also like sociologically and culturally, mm. it's a really unique place. And, and yeah. you know, the word unique is overused, but Iceland, man. So you got a culture where people don't use last names. They they call each other by their first name, even in formal settings. You know, they wow. the first head of state of any country in the earth was in Iceland. They have the most. Uh, they're famous for the most sort of gender uh, greatest gender parity and sort of social justice. And they have all these ways in which they pioneered um, hmm. civilization. They had the biggest boom and worst crash during the financial crisis a decade ago. You know, yeah, it's like, that's right. They're just so, they're like, they're still Norse Vikings kind of, you know, so exploring the world. Yeah. I crashed too, like very much like, hey, we're going to pull up our socks and get it done ourselves as opposed to yeah. other countries that rhyme with Greece. Like, just give <laughs> yes. us yes. Iceland, yeah. they, they pulled themselves out. Um, they're such Vikings. It's crazy. That's right. Yeah. They just pull themselves up and say, hey man, we're gonna, huh. nothing puts them down. Well, yeah, sticking, it's really fun. Well, sticking with setting because, uh, and I, some of my favorite books, the setting is a character into itself, and and both of your books are that way, and I, I love that. I, I think that that 
adds a great a great amount to the reading experience. But throughout this book, there are several references uh, that there's basically no crime in Iceland. And that, that kind of was bounced around in my head. And it, it, why is it? I mean, is it the climate isn't great and people are too damn cold to commit crime? <laughs> or, is it, or is it because, does it have something to do with that? It's more about this, the fabric of the society and this sense of culture and identity is what, what did you guys take anything away to, to kind of, you know, when you have a kid in Iceland and you want to give them a name as you do with your kid, right? Yeah. You can't just give them any name. You have to like, look on the, on the register of, of officially sanctioned names. Dang. And, and it's, it's wild. They, <laughs> they have a, they have a DNA database of every Icelandic resident, not counting foreign residents, right? Yeah. Every Icelandic resident. Um, and that's not just like Big Brother. It's because, in, in part, they want to, you know, be careful about intermarrying. It's a really oh. closed, right? Well, it's a yeah. really closed clan-like society. Uh, it's the, the population is very tiny. The country is very tiny, and I think, in part, there's there's very little crime because they have a long tradition of battling the elements, and in order to do that, getting along. I mean, there is crime. But a lot of it is like, you know, beat up on your best friend, beat up your wife kind of crime. So maybe hard a murder go, a year. Hard to go on the lamb in Iceland. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I don't know, volcano, hang on the volcano for a couple. Yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, by my count, you two have collaborated on, what, eight books now? Fiction yep. and nonfiction. So yep. um, obviously there's a lot to learn in, in, in your working relationship. I mean, Sean and I and Chris, you know, we've learned a lot over the past three years uh, together and, and you guys have been at it probably longer than that. So do you feel like you've really dialed it in now between the two of you or are, are you still deter discovering things that are like, wow, why didn't we do that? The last eight books, like this is so much better or, or this guy is much worse than I thought he was as a human being. <laughs> I mean, where are you guys at in terms of, uh, of your relationship in terms of learning new things that are making it better and better each time. You know, I'll just say, say this for starters that, that, you know, first off, we've, we've written two novels together. We're working on a third now. Mm. So eight books, but the first five were nonfiction and it's really different. It is for us anyway. Hmm. Um, because with it, with the nonfiction books, um, the job is much simpler and much clearer. We're taking yeah. actual history and rendering on the page, or in the case of the mastering fear and total focus, we're you know we're dealing with sort of a how-to, reflecting on experiences and giving you how-to principles. Now we're making up you know a thriller. It's a yeah. whole different. So I think we're still very much learning how to how to you know how to how to make this recipe work. Huh? How about you, Brian? Yeah, no, I would say the same. Um, you know, and I think there's there's strengths and weaknesses on both sides, and we work well together and. You know, and and I, I think there's, as you guys know, there's like the business of writing too. It's like, sure. you know, we're looking at, you know, I, I pushed John hard to switch agents, switch our our film and TV rights to a different agency. And we, we have an amazing literary agent, but it was, you know, it was a tough call. And I think it, it ironically, our, our literary agency, our literary agent, Alyssa was like, hey, if you guys aren't happy, just go to WME. And now she's at WME. <laughs> oh wow! It's all maybe, that's, maybe that was like a friend. Yeah, but um, no, it's been great, and 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 it, like I. That's a move it. I never would have made on my own. That's for sure. Yeah, that it's right? been really interesting following yeah. Brandon's lead. Huh? So there's, you know, and I follow a lot of John's lead on the on the on the writing side, and it's, it's I just 
you know, I have no problem with that. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's been fun and I'm, I'm really excited about we're hopefully going to get the rights um sold off and in a in a series made which which I'm excited about. Okay. Uh, and then one something I did want to bring up because it doesn't really come up too much. We mentioned it maybe one other time, but you know, John and I went to battle for this cover. Uh yeah, I love it. I'm looking at his backdrop. I'm like, that's the cover <laughs> we wanted. That's the cover we wanted. Um, you know, it's just one of those things I think most listeners don't realize you sometimes you don't have a lot of like control john and i are still kind of getting our feet on under us and and kind of you know the more successful the books are the the more say we'll have but god we went to battle over the cover like just we want to capture iceland on the cover and i think the u.s cover cold fear definitely says thriller and and it's a good cover but i still like i went round and round until finally finally john was like you just gotta let it go Because I was like, this looks like Minnesota. That's where a lot of them ended up anyway. But anyway. That, that's funny because <laughs> that's true. We, have, we have a ton of authors in the show, some of them extremely accomplished, and they some of them have zero say in their cover. Yeah. I mean, you'd think that yeah. at the level some of them are at, that they would be able to say, you know what? No, I don't. Yeah, I mean, they get, they, I'm sure they get a little bit of input, but as far as my my inclination is be out okay here's what i want you know and and i that's not the reality in for a lot of authors so that, that fascinates us a little bit um i want to i want to kind of riff off something you guys just were talking about about that the first books were nonfiction and now you're in fiction what did you what were you able to take away from your nonfiction collaboration to the fiction like what what was an easy sort of role in I, I, I'll, I'll speak for myself because it's like the nonfiction books were, were almost 100% me taking Brandon's lead. And what I mean by that is Brandon would have an idea for a book. Yeah. Uh, the memoir, the, our first book was his, his memoir, The Red Circle. Obviously, he didn't have a, an idea for a book. He had a whole lifetime for a book. Right. But all the other books, you know, Brandon had an idea for a book and he had uh, this experience set to, you know, to back up that idea. And so it, it was a situation of me sort of taking his lead and saying, okay, how can I, how can I uh, play with that? How can I participate in that? Basically, um, if it was a dance, he was, le- he was the, he was leading, right? Yeah. And, you know, that worked out really well. And I, it, we, we've kind of taken that into the fiction realm. Steel Fear was uh, an experience of Brandon's that was the seed of that plot line, an experience mm. he had on the USS Abraham Lincoln. Yeah. Cold Fear, you know, not only did, had Brandon been to Iceland, which I had not, still haven't, but also he had the the seminal idea, which I can't reveal because it's only revealed at the end of the book. I would yeah. have to kill all your listeners. Um, <laughs> you know, Brandon had this crazy idea based on something they'd written about in soft rep. Um, and now we're working on book three, and book three is set in a place that Brandon knows well. And he, again, he has sort of the, the, the germ of the plot line. So it's kind of like Brandon is, an, is a great idea guy. He comes yeah. up with these creative ideas, pitches the ideas to me, and I say, whoa, I'll catch that football and see if I can run somewhere with it. And that model, I guess so far anyway, it seems to be the way we roll and it's worked equally well in fiction as nonfiction. Yeah, no kidding. Well, have you two talked about maybe another nonfiction title or do you feel like you two are kind of locked into the mindset that you're going to continue solely on the fictional uh, side of things? I mean, for me, 
you know, I, as I do often, I, I come up with these crazy ideas and, <laughs> and I pitch them by Alyssa, our agent and her, her last, her last scolding was, <laughs> I'm, damn it, I'm trying to, you know, build you and John into a brand on the fiction side, just stick to fiction. So even like uh, I'm working on a side project right now um, about the first woman group of women through SEAL training. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. That I might be able to wrangle John into down the line. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, consider me, I'm, consider me open. I'm open. I'm open, chief. I'm, I'm open. 30,000 30, 30, words in. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I, I feel like, you know, we've got a tiger by the tail and, yes. and, uh, you know, it's one of the things I've always thought John is a brilliant writer. And, and I was like, you know, as, as his what amazing wife, Anna is pushing him, like, let's, let's do fiction, let's do fiction. But it takes, it takes a lot of guts because yeah. nonfiction, as you, you know, as many authors know, you can just, you know, John and I sold mastering fear on the email, like two paragraph proposal. Wow, No kidding can't do that with fiction you have to turn in the entire manuscript and it takes a lot of work right uh, and then you know you hopefully get paid um, and so, <laughs> but right. i'll tell you too though one more one more point on that is that you know each book each fin book has its own arc within the book there's a mystery that gets solved by the time you turn the last page of the book you know who the serial killer was right or you know you know why she went under the ice you know the answer to the book's question but there's this larger arc of finn's finn's own background his own backstory his own personal mystery which he's carrying around trying to solve. And that's going to take, we don't know how many books, five books, seven books, it's going to right. take a bunch of books. To, so we have, you know, we have kind of a big meta book um, in, in front of us. That's a lot of, a lot of work ahead on that. No, yeah, no, uh, no time to look around too much to the right or left. Yeah. Yeah. When, when people like um, maybe first encounter the, the blurbs of your books, whether it be cold fear or steel fear, the assumption might be and largely based on what's out there in the genre this is a, a military thriller it's a military actioner and while there's certain elements of that in the books it's they're really police procedurals as much are procedurals as much as anything and they're crime books as as much as they are the military thriller when you guys set out to create these stories and this character was that um territory you staked out intentionally or was it just a natural progression of the story you started to tell I think it planted the seeds, but like I know John is very much into you know crime thrillers. Yeah, I think that that influence is obvious, and I I think what's cool is we have this mixed genre. You know, yeah, it, it's not your typical. Right. I mean, they're great. I love I love Brad Thor. Just just had him on our podcast, the Software Podcast, yeah. a few weeks ago. Um, Clancy as well, but. I like the fact that we're doing something a little bit unique uh, as well. It just hasn't, I don't think it's been done that, that much before. Uh, and I, and I like the idea that people would pick up the book and be, be surprised. Like, Oh, this, this is great, but not, yeah, it's not a run and gun every single time they turn a page. Yeah. Right. That's right. Hmm. Exactly. Well, it, works, it works great. Yeah. <laughs> it, you you kind of hinted at, future titles here some more work ahead of you so uh what's kind of next for this uh dynamic duo that you guys are working on here well we're working on book three book three okay. uh uh giveaway title here book three is called blind fear oh nice and i'll just i'll just drop a few broad hints one one uh one fun tidbit is two of the protagonists are kids uh no we kidding. got some 
ages eight and 11. So yeah, that's really fun. Um, <laughs> there is a character who is blind, no surprise. Okay. And before it's over, there will be a, a deadly hurricane. And I've already said too much. Mm, that <laughs> narrows down some territory. <laughs> <laughs> that's well, awesome. We, we have a, um, and I'm speaking more to Mr. Webb here because you, you're not as familiar as John David might be, but we have a lot of writer geeks in our, and I say that lovingly in our audience. Um, we have a lot of people who are just thriller and crime fiction fans and storytelling fans, but we have a lot of budding writers, active writers, hopeful writers. So this is more of a geek question. Um, and it's, it goes to character. Uh, you, and you guys touched on this a little bit in your, in your earlier answer, but as a reader, I never question that Finn's heart is in the right place. Um, he's, he's got a core of goodness in his heart, but like all the best heroes and all the, all the best characters in my favorite books, he's got significant flaws and is quite troubled. He's got a lot going on. Can you guys share a little bit about how you went about constructing such a rich and multi-dimensional protagonist? I'll let John take this one. Cause really Finn is John's creation. Um, I can take credit for Monica, but uh, partial credit. Yeah, 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 for sure. <laughs> Finn, I think is, you know, I, I think a culmination of, of John's experience personally and working with me, but uh, I'll let you take it over, John. Yeah, I mean, one thing, I, I love the way you, Sean, the way you premise that, and it's, it's funny, if you, if you start out with a character, if you start with how handsome and strong and brave they are, it's like, where do you go from there? It's like, okay, yeah. this guy's got to be screwed up somewhere, right? If you start with how screwed up this guy is and his obvious flaws and deficiencies and freakishness, um, it's a great place to start because, you know, you, you naturally want to go looking for, yeah, but what's inside? And that's, you know, kind of where Finn is. In, in Steel Fear, you know, he's almost like he's on the autistic spectrum or something. Uh, or, um, and he even wonders, he doesn't say these words if, if there's, he's a little bit psychotic, uh, sociopathic because he says at one point he doesn't, he doesn't experience empathy. His feelings of, you know, were like surgically removed at birth or something. It's not true, but he wonders that about himself. Um, Finn is based on, you know, we, Brandon and I talked about this and he gives me the credit for it, but it was a, it was a joint affair. He, we both wanted to give readers as much as we could the opposite of a lot of popular common expectations of a military hero. Yeah. Steel Fear is not, I mean, Finn is not GI Joe. Finn is not a Hollywood Navy SEAL. Finn right. is a, is a, looks a little scrawny, strange looking, messed up, quiet. Rami Malek is a good. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Picture Rami and there you got, you got Finn. It's really yeah. awesome. Not and I was saying Steve Buscemi, but no, no. It's just, <laughs> Rami, Rami Malek is and, I, and I'll, I'll admit, Finn, uh, Finn pulls a lot from Brandon's life. There's a lot about his biography that's really borrowed from Brandon's biography. Mm. You know, they both grew up in the California docks. They both had done this. They both had done that. They're both really great with water. Um, they both had zero experience with guns before they got into SEAL training. It's really, it's funny almost how much Brandon I pulled into Finn's story. But there's a core of, of him, this traumatized core, which we actually borrowed from another guy that we know who's not Brandon. Um, and, and then from there, he just kind of evolved into this, you know, strange, as Monica calls him, this, this, I don't know how blue I can be on this podcast. This strange. 100%. Cool. <laughs> she, she says, you know, uh, not Monica, but uh, Carol, his girlfriend tells me he's one fucked up massive contradictions. And, yeah. and he is, 
And he is, and that's, and he doesn't even understand it himself. No, that describes our show. So that's perfect. That's, <laughs> that's, <good. laughs> so that's actually our tagline. We've been working on a promo. I like perfect. it. I like good it. branding. <laughs> well, gentlemen, congratulations on uh, Cold Fear. Uh, you guys, this was a fantastic book. Um, and you have now survived the main portion of our show. And we go into something now called the lightning round. And I'm quite thrilled that Brandon has no idea what's coming. Um, and we're going to uh, ask. As I'm on my second glass of. Uh... That's, that, that's perfect. <laughs> yeah, we, were, we, were, we were strategically waiting for you to get it. <laughs> uh, so uh, here we go in the lightning round. I am the host today. So I'm going to go first up. And um, this one goes to Brandon. Uh, Brandon, what was the over and under and how many hours John would last in buds? <laughs> I think if John showed up to buds. Ah, no, I mean, if, if, if he showed up the buds, he'd, he'd probably have the mental chops to make it through. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Good answer. So, throw I, me I the would, ocean with the cold. I wouldn't bet against John. <laughs> I like that answer. All right. All right. This one's for John then. Uh, uh, which Disney princess does Brandon remind you most of? <laughs> <laughs> I'd have to go with Ariel because, you know, water. Okay. Yeah. Usually there's a lot more threatening manner here. Okay. So overt <laughs> threats are encouraged on this question then as both of you have created multi-million dollar uh, companies, who is the better entrepreneur? Who gets to answer first? I do. Bing, 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 bing. No question. Hands down, Brandon. I mean, I, I, uh, I play at it, but he, he, he does it. Oh, and now is Brandon going to accept this or is he going to throw back some uh, love? To, to, He's uh, accepted it. I can see it. I'll accept it. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's true, damn it. And, yeah, and caveat that John's a better better writer. Like, I, I learn from him every day. So. We've got our corners. We've each All got right. our corners. That's awesome. I like it. All right, so my question builds on his first question. Uh, Brandon, John apparently has made it through SEAL training. Um and he's on your team and you guys are stacked on a door about to make entry where in the stack is John and what is his role? So we have a saying in, in front the... cannon fodder. I'm sorry. You were going to say, <laughs> <laughs> we have a saying in the seal teams, like either you're a, you're a, a breacher or a sniper and the, the breacher uh, is definitely, you know, carrying the heavy equipment. So John's John's probably direct in traffic, either calm guy or platoon leader um more more focused on strategy that that kind of thing um but not the not the big guy putting charges on the door less of a walking sandbag got it (laughs) you guys i'm you guys i'm 125 so so, sopping wet so yeah (laughs) i had a guy like that in the my seal platoon yeah me too because if i have to carry somebody who's injured i want him to weigh 125 (laughs) (laughs) there you go No. no all right so disney comes calling and wants you two to write a new script for a new Marvel movie. So Brandon, you get to pick the character, but John, you get to pick the title. Oh, character, new Marvel movie. And it can be any character. It can even be a character that's already been done. Just something that maybe a new spin on. Oh, I'm just thinking of like this nasty, like um, guy that's come out of the sewer of the New York that yeah. boy. Cast off. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, what's what's the title, John? Captain Filth. Captain Filth. <laughs> <God. laughs> 
Mike, did you slip them the questions early? <laughs> <laughs> These are brilliant. I'm going to drop that character. Yeah, Captain Phil. We, we, I like yeah. him already. Yeah. You know, is it metaphoric? Is it, is it physical or is it like mental? Smells like money. Here we go. Okay. Smells and, like money. The, the final question isn't really a funny one. It's just more of a, a philosophical one from you guys. Thriller writers are uh, often trying to get ahead of the news and future conflicts. And you have soft rep, which obviously spends a lot of time doing that. But where do you guys see the next significant conflict um, that the U.S. is involved in? And I don't necessarily mean boots on the ground. I just mean something that we're really wrapped up in. I would say probably China, Taiwan, maybe not less militarily wrapped up in, but politically wrapped up in. Um, I feel like, you know, China's got its eye on Taiwan um when you look at who wins in the russia ukraine situation i feel like this war is going to drag on for probably another year Russia, you know china will probably broker a peace deal and look like the good guys that ended it all and, and guess what when visa and mastercard pulls out of china what what fintech are they using it's all or sorry when visa and mastercard pull out of uh, russia what fintech are they using it's all chinese fintech. Yeah. so um and china is you know they're very patient um but yeah i think taiwan is would be the would be my guess hmm. all right there's a line in cold fear where trigley says you americans think we are patient think we're polite we are not polite just tolerant we've been just here tolerant. a long time yeah he could he could have been talking about the chinese uh, funny we we actually discussed that as a as a we were, that was going to be the basis of one of the questions but you guys kind of answered what we were going to ask <laughs> I'll, I'll, that, that's I'll a great, great line. i'll tell you guys this too um brad thor and i were talking about this um the last time we were together you know when we were discussing with some movie um or studio executives about re replacing iran as as uh one of the, the uh, protagonists in, in our books for film. And they're like, oh, it's simple. We'll just put in China. Oh, we can't do China. Oh, yeah. China has too much money in Hollywood. And yeah. I think that, you know, look, I'm, I'm pretty independent politically, but I was shocked. I'm like, really? Like China has that much influence in, a, in American entertainment? And the answer is yes. Look what happened with the NBA. And, and I think also you look at TikTok is it you know, China is basically owned by the state. Yeah. And imagine the data they're collecting on American kids with TikTok. I don't care if you're where you lean politically. It's it's something to think about. Now they're buying Absolutely. our farmland too. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, gentlemen. Congratulations again. It was uh, wonderful to finally hook up with you guys and uh, dynamic duo Cold Fear. And buy Steel Fear if you haven't read that. That's a hell of a start. Thanks, this was a lot of fun to read. I can't wait for you guys to come up with the next title. And make sure you keep your eye out for Captain Stinky coming your way. <laughs> Phil, Captain Phil. Phil. Filthy. Captain Phil. Phil. Captain Phil. <laughs> Captain Phil. <laughs> so cheers to everybody. Have a good day. We'll see you soon, hopefully. Long Thank live you. Finn. All right, boy. Weapon Man on their show today in cold fear. Great book. Uh some a little bit of action, but also a little police procedural, as you mentioned during the interview. And so this combination does a great job in delivering a wonderful book. 
and uh, make sure you get all their older titles as well. And we got the up and coming title that they referenced in the show that you have to go read. I'm not going to say it now. So anyway, Chris, hope you're not uh, getting too sunburnt wherever you are. And uh, we'll see you on the next episode of The Crew Reviews. Actually, I hope you are getting sunburnt, you son of a bitch. Damn right. <laughs> Especially on that little Said with love. Said with love. That soft little bottom of yours. Cheers, folks. Mm, and we out. Cold fear and go back and get cold steer. Cold steer. Still fear. Still fear. Cold cold steer. It's about a winter in West Texas. Um, wow, I don't want any heat on that meat. <laughs> I'm going to screw that up and I'm going to start over. There we go. (laughs) (sighs) Take whatever now. And uh, you can go back and get their previous book, Cold Steer. (laughs) I now have to write a short story called Cold Steer. Just just because I need to know how it ends. (laughs) I like Dick. The show got really interesting. (laughs) You want blue? We went blue. (laughs) 